What's up, friends? Today we are talking about protein. I am a self-proclaimed protein princess because I have just noticed major changes in my own personal health and more so with my clients when we take the benefits of protein and apply them in our diet, the outcomes are really, really powerful. I think this is a topic that's really diverse and there's a lot of parts to it. Like when I teach sports nutrition at the university, I spend at least an hour on proteins alone. So I'm going to try to cram in for you guys just the basics and some high level information on protein and how you guys can make some changes in your diet to maximize the benefits of protein. I'm going to be talking about the importance of quality, how to decide which types of protein are best for you and your body and your goals the quantity, how much do we eat, and then the timing, because protein timing is important. And we're going to cover all that today. It's going to be a great episode. I will be having lots of links in the show notes for you guys today with recipes, um, supplement recommendations, and just some fun stuff like that. Oh, and resources, because this is, of course, all scientific-based. I 100% believe in anecdotal data, and when people feel good when they take in certain proteins, there's so much value in that, but I think before I make recommendations, I need to make sure it's research-backed, so you're going to find all the links to um, various articles and review articles in my show notes, so lots coming your way, all on how we can be the most awesome protein princesses. Hey girl, you are amazing and you possess this unique inner awesome that the world so desperately needs. And guess what? Your body size has nothing to do with that. But I get it. I spent way too many years living in insecurity and I have spent the last decade working with women just like you who have struggled with the same. And when it comes down to it, I think our amazingness becomes all too easily eclipsed by two things. Body bullying, which in turn impacts how we take care of our body. Whether it's over or under eating, over exercising or not moving at all, moving from dieting to anti-diet culture, girl, the pendulum just keeps swinging. I started this podcast because it's time to break up with body bullying and find a way to live balanced in your body. I'm Jess, a body bully warrior, registered dietitian, and food freedom guru. I believe that when we stop letting culture define health, beauty, and what we should and shouldn't eat, we are finally free to live in our own bodies. This podcast is just one of the many resources I have for you ladies. Be sure to head on over to JessBrownRD.com. Check out my ebook, e-course, supplements, meal plans. Guys, I've got so much more for you, and I'm adding to that list on the daily. Are you ready to channel your inner awesome at a whole nother level? Grab a cup of coffee, lace up those running shoes, and let's dive in to today's show. Okay, before we dive into quality, quantity, and timing, I just want to give an overview of what exactly proteins are and the role they play in our body. Most of us know that protein is what builds our muscle and our strength. But how it does that is the proteins we eat from food, they are made up of various amino acids. And these amino acids are like the building blocks of our muscular and our structure within our bodies. They're the major structural component of muscles and other tissues in the body. And the various amino acids play different roles in building those. They also produce enzymes, which help us to break down food and build up structure within our body. They help us produce hormones, and they even contribute to the molecule hemoglobin, which transfers oxygen throughout our bodies. 
Protein can also be used as an energy source. Although it's not preferable, this is not like the most efficient use of protein, but it can be done. And I typically see that in folks who are consuming really, really high amounts of protein in their diet and low amounts of carbohydrate. The body will use protein like it uses carbohydrate, but it's just not as efficient. Um, Really, ideally, we get the most benefit from protein when we're eating in balance. So we're getting adequate amount of carbs and carbs can do their job to fuel us, provide energy and restore some of our stored energy, whereas protein can then be used what it's optimally used for, which is structure and strength. So how we utilize and break down protein changes as we age. And this is one of like the most crucial pieces of protein metabolism for me to understand personally, because when I started off my career as a dietitian, I just kind of ate protein more intuitively, which was great. Um, I, I didn't really need to put focus and intention into it because my body was able to take in protein and do what it needed to do with the amounts I was eating. What I later learned was that as we age, this natural process to take the protein we eat from food and turn it into and restart that muscle protein synthesis process, which is when our body moves protein from food into actual structure and strength. That process is actually slowed down as we age. So like when you were in high school, you could have a snack with like six grams of protein and that would immediately trigger your muscle protein synthesis process. As you age and get older, and by older, because I know that's a totally relative term, um, I mean pushing like 30s and moving up into our 40s and 50s, when hormones start to shift, we see a change in how the body takes that protein in and triggers muscle protein synthesis. So now in my mid-30s, oh my gosh, wait, no, I think I'm in my upper 30s now. (laughs) That's funny. Um, I hear 40s are the best, so I'm looking forward to those. Um, but now at this age, I can't have that six grams of protein and it trigger that same muscle protein synthesis process. Like I have to have a larger dose, more like 20 to 30 grams to get that process triggered and to get the maximum benefits of protein. So it changes with age. And I noticed that because when I, it was really post baby when I was in my early thirties and I returned to exercise I was just doing my thing, intuitively eating protein, and I realized that, you know, I came across this study and this research, so I, I implemented it in my diet, and it was it was pretty outstanding. And this is something I'd been recommending for years, but I'd never done it personally, uh, and it was really, really cool to see the change and how giving myself those, like, boluses of protein or those protein loads at one time instead of, you know, just, like, little bits here and there, really hitting at least 20 grams per meal, it did change my muscle strength and the results that I saw from my workout. So it was pretty cool. But what I want to talk about is breaking protein down and helping to navigate quality of protein, quantity of protein, and timing of protein. So let's first talk about protein quality. Now to understand protein quality, one thing we need to first break down is that there are different types of amino acids that make up protein. So there are 20 different types of amino acids, and of those 20, nine are what we call essential, meaning we have to eat them and get them from our diet because our body cannot internally make them. And then of those 20, there's also one to three that are debated as conditionally essential. And what that means is like when your body's in a higher state of stress, you need higher amounts of those specific amino acids. Because even though the body can make them, um, you might need more. An example of that, glutamine is a big one. That one the body can make internally, but if you've been in a car accident or you've undergone surgery, the research has shown that adding glutamine in 
the body can't produce it at the rate at which it's required when your body's under that much stress. So supplementing with it can actually help with the healing process. And then we have non-essential amino acids. And those are the ones that your body can make on its own. It can make from the essential amino acids that you consume in your diet. So we don't need to rely on food alone to get those non-essential amino acids. Now, protein quality, it's going to primarily be determined based on the completeness of the essential amino acid profile of that protein. So animal proteins tend to have all the essential amino acids in each of them. So like chicken and beef, they contain all the essential amino acids and are therefore deemed a high quality protein. Eggs are another one and low fat milk. These are also great protein choices that are complete proteins. And then they're really rich in a specific amino acid called leucine. Now leucine is one of the proteins that turns on that muscle regrowth and repair process. And so as you get older, looking at high quality proteins is going to be really powerful because we want to turn that process on that doesn't turn on as easily the older we get. I'm just totally like, that's what she said. <laughs> Anyways, um, okay, bad joke there. Or maybe it was a funny one. I don't know. I'm sitting here by myself and sometimes things are funny to me. So uh, let me know if you LOL to that one. <laughs> or if you're just, if I'm crazy, just ignore me. Okay, so we're looking at quality of protein. Now, one of the things about deeming a protein high quality is it's only testing for the amino acid profile, and then how biologically available it is to the body, meaning how effectively does your body take that protein in and break it down. One of the things it doesn't consider is how that protein impacts your gut. So for example, whey protein and egg protein, these are two proteins that are highly, highly available to the body and are deemed like gold standards when it comes to protein quality. However, these proteins are not always great for the gut and may cause inflammation. So I say that protein quality and it's important, but I also want to have like the disclaimer there that if you don't have a healthy gut, we may need to look at some different types of protein that are more gut healing, like pea and soy proteins. Okay, so I want to go through a few of these and I'm going to talk about it in supplement form because in supplement form, this is the protein isolated, and I think we can learn a lot about the different types of protein that are available when we talk about the supplements. Before I dive in, people often ask, like, Jess, do you recommend protein supplements? Here's the deal. They're supplements. So, you know, food first always because there's so much that, like, I think God puts into food that we can't put in a supplement that is beneficial. However, we also live in a world where we are busy and we're going from one thing to the next and our schedules are packed. And so sometimes protein supplements are really, really helpful. I'm a fan of them because as I've mentioned before, I think it was in last week's podcast, or no, two weeks ago when I talked about um, just when you're busy and trying to eat empowered, like how do you, how do you do that? Um, because me, when I'm left to my own devices, or if I was left to my own devices, I would totally just not eat nearly as much as I need to because I'm busy and I'm on the go and sometimes it really feels like a chore to me especially because it's my job <laughs> it kind of just you know it's like I talk about food all day and then I go home and I have to cook and it's like oh I was doing this stuff all day so to me protein supplements are something that really help me meet my needs meet my goals and as long as I'm balancing it with my gut health and keeping an eye on that I think they can be really beneficial okay so let's first talk about whey 
Whey protein, as I mentioned, it's one of the most biologically available proteins. So it's a really high quality. Whey protein can be found in two different forms, whey concentrate or whey isolate. The difference here is that concentrate has some fat and some lactose still in it, but it may be more biologically active and available to you because the isolate form, although it's the purest protein source, because it doesn't have fat and it doesn't have lactose, it often contains denatured proteins because of the manufacturing process, which can actually decrease the potency of it. So what I recommend is, you know, if you obviously if you have a lactose intolerance or allergy, isolate is going to be a better choice. But if not, getting a concentrate may be more worth your money because they're usually less expensive and more biologically active. So whey protein actually comes from milk. The whey protein is like 20% of the protein from milk, and you get it when they separate the curds and the fat. Now, the other protein that takes up about 80% of milk is casein. And casein has really gotten its claim to fame because of its slow release of amino acids over time. So like whey protein is a great one to have post-workout because it digests really quickly. Casein, on the other hand, when it gets into your stomach, this is kind of (laughs) gross. I hope I don't ruin casein for you. When it gets into your stomach, it starts to form um, clots and it's actually passed into your digestive tract in these little like sacs. And then there's a slow release of amino acids over time. So casein before bed has been proven to have the slow release and help to repair muscle while you sleep. But having casein right after a workout wouldn't be ideal because it's not very quick digesting. And we need that quick digesting when we're post-workout because our muscles are ready for energy. Pea and soy proteins, these are great options, especially if you're vegan or vegetarian. These appear to be a lot softer on the gut and can even be gut healing. So They are complete proteins, meaning they have all of the essential amino acids. So there's no downfall there. They take a little bit longer to digest than whey. So I always say like post-workout whey protein is a great supplement because it's quick and efficient. But if you don't tolerate it, doing something like pea or soy is just fine. Um, It's just going to digest a little bit slower than whey. But then we've got the, the pro of it not being so inflammatory on the gut, which we can definitely see with whey protein. And then I want to talk about collagen. Let's spend some time here because this one is super popular right now. Collagen is naturally occurring and it's a major part of the body's extracellular matrix that provides cushion and structure for our bones, muscles, joints, and skin. So it's a really important type of protein. Collagen is rich in amino acids that are believed to provide building blocks for collagen formation in the body. And there's some thought that it boost hyaluronic acid production. And if you don't know what hyaluronic acid is, it's it's real popular right now with a lot of lotions and face products, but it's believed hyaluronic acid production is believed to serve as a cushion and lubricant in your joints and skin. So it's sold in beauty products. So this all sounds great, right? It's like, yeah, why wouldn't we take collagen? It sounds wonderful. The research on humans is limited, but it is starting to come out. It's funny, a few years ago, I I made a video and it was when I I started blogging a few years ago. Blogging was not my thing. I make so many typos and I would have to read it over and over and then there'd still be typos. It's just like I've had to accept this as a part of me. There are typos in what I do. So here's my disclaimer. Everyone listening, if you see typos, please show me grace. It's like my brain. I don't know. I can't see them. But thank you to those of you who send me the little DMs that say, hey, fix this, Jess. I actually really appreciate that. 
So anyways, I started blogging and I was creating these little um, Facebook videos and I did one on collagen. And this was probably four years ago. And at the time, there really wasn't a lot of human research with collagen and how it affects our skin and some of the claims that we see on the collagen sold in the beauty aisle. So my sister was also taking collagen at the time, and I totally made fun of her. And I feel so bad because now the research is coming out, and she was right. So here is my public apology to you, sister. I'm sorry I mocked you for putting collagen in your coffee. You were just ahead of your time. I did uh, look at a review that was published back in 2019, and this discussed six different human studies where they found an increase in skin hydration for people who supplemented with it. It was about 10 grams of collagen um, powder per day or 10 grams of collagen protein per day. Of course, there were tons of limitations, so it's not proven yet, but at least it's moved from the animal models into human studies, and we're seeing some of the benefits. One area that is really interesting and something that's becoming more and more popular and accepted is collagen use in injury prevention. Now, this is really cool. And this is going to be not not so much the collagen protein, but actually gelatin protein, which is a very similar amino acid profile as collagen. But they've found that collagen supplementation with vitamin C can actually aid in injury prevention and have an anti-inflammatory effect. There was this really cool study that looked at vitamin C-enriched gelatin shots given before a high-intensity workout, and they found that it increased collagen production so significantly that there was a decrease in injury and an increase in production. So super cool. Let's all make vitamin C gelatin shots before our next hit workout. (laughs) How does that sound for a good time? And then the other type of protein I wanted to touch on was branched-chain amino acids. So branched-chain amino acids are really popular, especially Um, for before and after workouts. They are naturally occurring in a lot of foods, especially animal proteins. And they're really popular for a few reasons. They play specific metabolic and physiological roles in terms of protein synthesis and turnover, signaling pathways. We know that they're involved in the synthesis of neurotransmitters and even energy production. One of my favorite facts about branched-chain amino acids is that They're actually metabolized or they can be metabolized directly in the muscles. So while other amino acids have to go through a more extensive process and be metabolized through the liver, branched-chain amino acids can actually pull their power directly in your muscles. And this is going to be more important for people who exercise because we're utilizing more of those branched-chain amino acids or BCAAs while we're working out. So there's a lot of benefit to supplementing with them before or during a workout. And some of that has to do with there's a lot of less perceived exertion when we supplement with BCAAs before a workout. Like it just feels like the workout's easier. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're giving our body the tools and capacity to engage in the exercise more efficiently because they can be digested right there in the muscle. Now as a female... 7 to 14 days before our period, we go into PMS mode, right? And all you ladies out there know what I'm talking about. We all feel it in slightly different ways. But supplementing with branched-chain amino acids specifically during that week before your period can help to combat some of the fatigue that we feel. And I call it the, I don't want to do anything week, the I give up on life week. (laughs) BCAAs could definitely help keep us going and keep us pushing ourselves on our workouts when we're physiologically not feeling quite so energetic. 
Okay, so that's a very brief overview of different types of protein. So when it comes to protein quality, we really want to look at getting high quality lean cuts of animal products, animal proteins at our meals. We want to look at you know, if our body tolerates eggs, incorporating eggs where we can. They also, eggs are also great because they contain lecithin, which is a wonderful fat that is involved in brain development and basically brain lubrication. And then also looking at plant-based proteins like soy, legumes, beans. These are going to have gut building benefits in addition to protein because we get the fibrous tissue that's going to um, interact just awesome with our microbiome. So we've got quality. Now, if we look at quantity, this is going to be relative to you. The recommended dietary allowance for protein is actually 0.8 to 1 gram per kilogram of body weight. And if you don't, if you want to know what your body weight is in kilograms, just take your pounds, divide it by 2.2. And this is one of, you guys know me, I'm not a huge fan of monitoring body weight or weighing ourselves regularly, but when it comes to protein, this is one of the reasons I do want to know people's weights. So if I have a client come to me and they don't want to weigh because they have no interest in weight loss or weight change or anything like that, that's fine. But I will request that we like do a blind weight or they just send me their semi-recent weight because it will help me accurately recommend their protein amount. So the RDA is 0.08 to 1 gram per kilo. Now, in the research I've read and after lots of experience, I don't believe this is enough for individuals who exercise. And the research is really starting to show that we need more protein than that. We're looking at 1.2 to 2.4 grams per kilo to actually maintain what's called a positive nitrogen balance. And that's going to demonstrate positive muscle turnover in our body. So that 0.08 to 1 is something that we know is adequate and it provides sufficient protein, but I see individuals do much better with just a little bit more, um, especially if they're doing any type of activity. And I just wanted, I've said this before on here, you are an athlete if you exercise on purpose. Dr. Stacey Sims says that, and I love that, but I think we need to hear that over and over because when we think of athlete, most of us think like, oh, you know, the person in Sports Illustrated or the Olympic athletes. No, if you go to the gym twice a week, I don't care what you're doing. You're an athlete. Like you are doing something to strengthen your body. So I am referring to you no matter what that looks like. Um, You don't have to be an Olympic athlete to fall into that category. So I really recommend on the 1.2 to 2.4 grams per kilo spectrum. You're going to be on the lower end if you're not doing weightlifting, you're doing more endurance type activities like walking, running, cardio, hiking, biking, staying closer to that 1.2 to 1.4 range, moving towards the higher end if you're a strength training athlete, lifting weights, trying to build muscle mass, we'd want to be at the higher end for that. Now there's a disclaimer, there's always a disclaimer, like little asterisk here. (laughs) When this is what's been shown to enhance muscle strength and muscle development. There is a lot of research coming out that like people who live in blue zones in the world who have a much lower protein intake have a longer lifespan. And they're kind of wondering, okay, is that is there some correlation there and does it have to do with the slightly inflammatory process of digesting and breaking down protein? So there there are some pros and cons. I was talking to one of my colleagues the other day and I was like, okay, so either we live a long time and maybe don't feel as strong and like, like, you know, powerful, or we live less, but we're strong and 
we can lift the dog food, you know, out of the shopping cart into the back of the car. And we were kind of laughing. It's like, all right, live your life. Like you pick how you want to live. Uh, for me, I like feeling strong. Uh, the dog food thing, that's a real story. The day I could pick that 40 pound bag of dog food out of the shop bottom of the shopping cart and put it in the back of my car like that was a proud moment for me (laughs) and I don't ever want to go back I'm kind of stubborn about it now (laughs) I was actually telling my husband I was at the I went to um we were going camping so I went and bought a bunch of drinks and I had to carry them and the guy on the way out was like oh oh ma'am can I help you with that and I was like no like I can do this you know I wasn't offended what a sweetheart that he was going to help me but I just you know I have this thing right now where I'm like no I am strong I am capable so much stronger than I look (laughs) so anyways we do have to weigh that higher protein will get you more results but it's also kind of this trade-off of um, we don't know if long term it might be more inflammatory and that's where you have to filter this information through your values and what's important to you and what you're after So the last piece that I want to talk about is protein timing. Uh, There are thresholds at which a person can effectively digest and utilize protein. So what we know is like most people, when they come see me and I do a diet recall, it's like they have oatmeal for breakfast, maybe a sandwich or a salad for lunch, and then they have steak and potatoes for dinner. So it's like this low protein, moderate protein, and then through the roof protein for dinner. And it's this skewed distribution we know that actually spreading it out more evenly throughout the day is a much more efficient way for turning on that muscle repair process, digesting and utilizing protein to its maximum potential. So there's two ways to do this. Easy way, everyone, try to get 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal for three to four meals per day. And then if you're hitting snacks, doing around 10 grams per snack. So that's a really simple, like generic way to start building your protein up. If you're one of those people that likes to get granular and wants a little bit more of a direction relative to you, research is showing that having 0.4 to 0.55 grams per kilogram per meal for four meals is an optimal protein intake. And then adding at least 20 grams for post-workout. So if you, what's really cool is like you kind of figure out your total daily intake and then figure out what that would be and then take, okay, my 0.4 to 0.55 grams per kilogram per meal and then compare the two. And it's like, okay, do I need to have three meals or four meals? But you can play with those numbers and get your target. This is like one of the number series things that I nerd out about when I'm working with clients is like helping them figure out their target proteins for each meal. Because then once we figure it out, they know going into every meal, okay, I need 20 grams. I need 32 grams. I need, you know, whatever. It's, it's just a really great number to know to help you um, eat intentionally. Now, So these are going to be our ideal targets and something to shoot for most of the time. But of course, we're empowered eaters. So that means we're going to have meals where we don't hit these numbers or these targets. And that's okay because we're filtering it through our values. And sometimes my values call for nachos with my friends that do not meet my 32 grams of targeted protein in that meal. So take this information and I hope it helps you. Um, build meals that are going to build bodies that are stronger so you feel better in your body but not so much that we're obsessed about it and that we you know get nervous if we don't hit that target because we want to keep it in balance okay shout out to all my protein princesses out there i'm really excited for your guys feedback let me know if you have any other questions because protein's a hot topic there's so many rabbit holes we could go down and it's one that i think is it's fun i just you know (laughs) it's nutrition i nerd out about this stuff (laughs) all right have a wonderful day cheers and happy protein eating
Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.